0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest is a Nashville based Catholic worship leader and songwriter. She's released four albums. Your Time, Hallelujah, is our song, Bloom and delight. She also recently had the opportunity to take part in an amazing project that is highlighting God's faithfulness to women throughout scripture and all the way to the present day. It's called The Faithful Project. It's a collection of stories, music, lyrics, and art created and curated by many of today's thought-provoking and influential Christian artists and authors. We're going to hear today a little bit about her career, what drew her into music and ministry, and we'll also talk a little bit about The Faithful Project. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Sarah Kroger. She's an Asheville-based Catholic worship leader and songwriter. She also recently took part in The Faithful Project, which is a collection of stories, music, lyrics, and art created and curated by many of today's thought-provoking and influential Christian artists and authors of our time. Tell us about how you got involved in music. Now, both your parents were involved in worship ministry, so you've been involved in church Uh, Since an early age? Yes,
2: um, definitely. I grew up in a very musical household where we were forced to take music lessons and piano lessons (laughs) from a very young age, um, which at the time I hated, but now I am eternally grateful for because it really laid the foundation for my life. Um, But I was always involved in church and in music in some way, but really when I was a teenager, I had a deeper conversion to my faith uh, through going to a conference, a youth conference. And I remember um, experiencing the worship. It was the first time I had ever really experienced contemporary worship. I come from a traditional Catholic background. And so it was the first time that I really encountered any kind of worship music. And it it kind of gave me language that I didn't have before. It kind of the best way that I know how to describe it is it was, it was like hearing a language that was strangely familiar, but completely new to me. Mm. And it really opened this kind of gateway and doorway to uh, communicating with God in a, in a very personal way that I had never really had again, language for. And so From that point on, worship became the way that I prayed, the way that I communicated with God and communed with him. And um, it really was at that conference, someone at that conference basically said, if you have a gift from God and you're not using it, you're denying the glory of God within you. And that made me realize that I was uh, terrified of sharing the gift of music that I had. I hid it for years. And from that point on, started just slowly leading worship and becoming more and more brave uh, because I was convicted by
0: God that I needed to. So, yeah, I love that. And what I love too, about that is, uh, for you, it was experiencing contemporary worship for the first time. And then I've heard lots of stories, uh, young people that grew up in contemporary churches. It wasn't until they experienced like traditional liturgy for the first time. And then God spoke to them that way. Sometimes we just need something new and different, I guess
2: exactly and there's so many different expressions of faith and uh god and spirituality and it's it's just so beautiful it really speaks to the endless creativity of god to me you know so it's cool
1: tell us a little bit more about that path so you discovered this you discovered you needed to share this gift how did you go about sharing your gift yeah so i
2: uh slowly started uh back at my home church just singing on Sundays, which again, I was terrified. I was bullied a lot in elementary school um, So I think that's a huge part of the reason why I didn't want to share that I sang because I didn't want it to be something else that was torn down to be honest. Um, but I started singing at church and even though I was terrified, I mean literally like shaking head to toe, probably sounding like some dying animal of some kind um, I I was convicted, I was convicted that God, gave me this gift and that there was a reason for it and it wasn't just meant for me. And so I kept showing up. I kept saying yes in my own little way. And surely, I mean, uh, basically time after time, I just gained more and more confidence and uh, started on that journey, but then slowly, but surely the the church down the street asked me to come and lead worship. And then the church across town asked me to come and lead worship. And then things just kind of snowballed from there. I got to get to know a few other worship leaders that traveled, uh, internationally and nationally and asked me to come with them to a couple of conferences. And so the worship thing, the artist thing, the uh, all of that kind of just slowly happened. And I I say that God opened doors and some of those doors I willingly walked through and some of them he pushed me through um, <laughs> lovingly. And it all led me to where I am today, though, I, I wouldn't be where I am without the people that God put in my path. And the opportunities that he asked me to say yes to. So it's been a journey, that's for sure. But I've now I do it full time and have been doing it for the past twelve years, and couldn't imagine doing anything else.
0: It's a good example of what happens when we're obedient to God, whether yeah. we're comfortable with it or not. Um, you you also mentioned in there uh, bullying as a young person. I'm wondering if that played yeah, just played out in your life as you grew older, like any, yeah. uh, effects from that or does it, um,
2: I think one of the craziest things is, uh, about being a human, the human experience is, and I know I'm not the only one that's experienced this, but that a lie that's spoken to you or, uh, a mean thing that's spoken to you when you're younger can stay with you your entire life if you're not careful. Um, and so there's these little lies that I was told or bullied, you know, believed when I was bullied that I didn't even realize had really taken root in my life and that I was living from those lies for many, many years until really I was confronted with it. Um, it I would say it was about five or six years ago, I read a book called Life of the Beloved um, by Henry Nowen. I can't recommend it enough for everyone mm-hmm. out there. It's a very small book, but it, it's one of those books that you could like live on each page for a couple of days, <laughs> just meditating on it. And it really talks about... The idea that every one of us are bombarded by these noises every day, these voices of negativity, society, the world, the lies that we believed. And those are the voices that we listen to. Those are the voices that we live from. But what would it look like if we could drown out those voices and listen to that still small voice that at the center of our being calls us beloved? What would it look like if each and every one of us was able to live out of that truth? Um, And I had never thought of it like that before. And it literally changed my life. It literally changed my path. It made me realize, wow, I have lived out of fear and lies uh, for many, many, many years in my life. And I don't want to do that anymore. So it's been a lifelong journey. And I would say it's one of those things that really stayed with me. um, And only now in my 30s have I found true healing from it. And I'm now living from that place, like I said, a belovedness, identity, and trying to live my life from that.
0: One of the best things about nouns books is they're usually short, but they're like so rich and deep, (laughs) right? They're so good. Yes. I can't recommend them enough.
1: Have you been able to pour out that journey now in your music?
2: Yes. Um, I would say really over the last two albums, Bloom and Light especially, um, have really captured my journey. So Bloom for me was really discovering, rediscovering, rerouting my identity as a beloved daughter of God. And light is what happens when you live from that rootedness, what happens when you live from that place of belonging and and knowing that you're known and beloved and, and trying to just step out in the world with boldness and with courage and living with light and energy. That's really what it was. So I would say those two albums especially have, have captured my journey for
1: sure. And the titles are just so simple, Bloom and Light. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I know bloom came to me in prayer pretty um, beautifully uh, on an air air, airplane ride uh, randomly to an event. But and that was like a spiritual experience. Light was more like, you know, we did bloom. We did the one word for bloom. So why don't we just do the one word for this album? And and light was the word that kept coming up for for these songs. So that's how we got that.
1: They're one word, but they're extremely powerful. Mm, Thank you.
0: You mentioned uh, being a Catholic, and I know you've written a lot with uh, Catholic uh, musicians and stuff, but I know Light, uh, you really start working with uh, Protestant writers. What was that like coming uh, together to write from kind of differing backgrounds in, in faith and Christianity?
2: Yeah, it was beautiful and normal and and like every other right that I've been a part of, except um, it was a beautiful opportunity to just kind of uh, share different perspectives and experiences and um, answer any questions that people might have about the faith, because I know that not a lot of people know really what being Catholic is like and all the details of it and stuff like that. So it was really cool though, to realize like there there's more that unites us than divides us. There's more that uh, we're similar in than we're different. And each, like, like we said earlier, there's different aspects of spirituality, different, different ways to uh, express your faith um, that speak to the endless creativity of who God is and his church And so some people really connect with the traditional, some people really connect with silence, some people really connect with the big kind of bombastic worship, I'm kind of somewhere in between all of those worlds. And I kind of, I kind of love that about my faith. And so it's been really special to be able to share that with people and, um, you know, share the ways that we're really more united than we think.
1: Now, you recently had the opportunity to partake in the Faithful Project. Tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved.
2: That was amazing. Um, so my label is really the one that uh, got me involved with that project. But I, I remember walking into the room the first day. We did several writing camps beforehand. And I remember walking into the room and looking around at the different artists that were involved and authors and just thinking, how in the world did I get here? How in the world am I a part of this thing? Um, but basically, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's uh, an album and a book. That is all written and uh, sung by female artists and songwriters and authors. And basically what we did is we dove into the stories of various women throughout scripture and dove into their story of God. God's faithfulness in their life and related it to our own walks of faith and journeys and wrote songs and, and a book based off of that. And so there's all of those things. There's a live stream. I don't think the live stream is still available, but hopefully there's a tour in the works for the future. Um, it was really amazing to be a part of though.
1: Tell us a little bit about your contribution to the project.
2: Yeah. So I got to write on two different songs. One is called the detour. That was based on the story of Elizabeth um, and one is called Impossible Things. And I got to sing on both of those songs and then also do quite a few background vocals just because I happened to be in town, which was so fun. And it it was just amazing for multiple reasons. It just felt like such a redeeming uh, thing to be a part of. I think a lot of women as women were used to, uh, in a large group of people, um, struggling with gossip or uh, struggling with just competition or seeing each other as a threat in some way. And this was the exact opposite of all of those experiences I've ever had with women. Um, it was women cheering other women on. It was women lifting up everyone's voices and saying, you have a seat at the table. And And, and so what I hope this project does for other women who listen to it is that it it encourages them to do the same in their communities and also just helps them to know that they do have a place at the table, that there is a place for them to express their faith life and their walk and, and share their voice and their story and their perspective. And yeah, it's just been amazing to be a part of.
0: What's the uh, feedback been like so far? I know it's been out for just a little bit now.
2: Yeah, it's been amazing to see um, the ways that people are connecting with it. The messages that I get about the different songs that I get to sing on have been so beautiful. And uh, that's that's always one of my favorite parts about releasing music is the connection piece with people. Yeah.
1: You mentioned a little bit about like working with all these women, but how important is it to be or when well, I am one want to say important, but how amazing is it to be able to work on a project with all women? And why is it so important? To do something like that?
2: Yeah, I would say it's a rarity. I am, as a woman in a male dominated industry, I'm used to being the only one, (laughs) to be honest, in many circles, whether it's songwriting or touring or whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's normally that I'm the only one. And so this project was different in that way. And at the live stream concert, for example, we had an entirely female band, which is again, not normal, but I wish that it was, I wish that it was more normal. And maybe this is just a part of, uh, making it more the norm or making it something that people stop to think about before they think, you know, who should I hire? Not just, not just the same old, same old people. And not to say that men are amazing, men do amazing things in the industry and are very capable. I just think that, um, sometimes we don't give women enough credit or opportunity, the same opportunities. Um, and so, yeah, it was really beautiful to see that and, and to kind of put that into motion for sure.
0: I'm always, uh... Yeah, that's very true what you said. And I always find it a little funny because if you look at like the life of Jesus, he's surrounded by women all the time yeah. and giving them things to do and using yeah. them uh, in his work. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's it? Uh, I was wondering, um, you you know, uh, being Catholic and out of Nashville, there's a huge Contemporary Christian music seemed centered in Nashville, of course, but uh, I often think it's probably pretty evangelical. So what's it like being a Catholic in Nashville?
2: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, there's a lot of Catholics in Nashville, actually. Um, A lot of the Catholic churches here, I would say, are more on the traditional side, especially with music when it comes to music. Um, But one of the special things uh, that I've been a part of since moving here uh, just over three years ago is I I've I've been a part of starting, um, a contemporary mass in Nashville. So music at a mass. So there's a couple of Catholic artists that live in town. Um, and we get to rotate whenever we're in town, usually not in COVID season. Uh, usually we're all very busy on the road, um, and have to kind of figure out our schedule and coordinate who will take this Sunday. Um, but for the Sundays that we're in town, we get to rotate and, and do the music for that mass. And so that's been really special to be a part of and, I've just loved being a part of that community. That's at St. Joseph's in Madison. And um, yeah, so it's, it definitely is a, a very active Catholic community. And I love being a part of it.
1: Going back to the faithful project. Um, what was it like? I know you meant uh, this is something you kind of mentioned as well. But you got to mention you got to work with Amy Grant, Jenny Owens, Rachel Lampa. How amazing was that?
2: Oh, it was so amazing. And the most amazing part about it is that they are so down to earth, Um, especially with Amy Grant. I think I was a little bit starstruck, to be completely (laughs) honest. At first, I was like, "I, I can't believe we're in the same room. Um, but she is the most normal person you will ever meet. Um, so down to earth. I think they have even a farm at their house. And so she's always talking about her farm or eating well, or, you know, just normal life things. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned uh, since moving to Nashville, since being in this industry is just that the people that you think are celebrities or uh you know on some pedestal they're just normal people that would love to have a conversation with you and honestly would pretty much i mean most of them some of them might be a little bit of recluses or uh introverts that you would be surprised about you know when you see them (laughs) on stage they're introverts in real life but um amy and ellie for example both of them are just examples of people who are just so dang talented and so down to earth so lovely um So yeah, it's been really fun to be able to work with them and get to know them a bit.
1: And we were speaking with Rachel Lample a a couple days ago and one thing she mentioned too, when it comes to the downturn, she was saying that people were changing diapers, there were moms with their babies. (laughs) Like it was just, it sounds like it was such an awesome experience. Yeah, it really was.
2: It was real life, you know, uh, in front of you. And just to be able to be vulnerable um, with that group of women was so incredibly special. I think all of us felt it too. I think all of us were like, we don't want this to end. (laughs) So hopefully, hopefully there's more to be uh, had in the future.
1: Moving forward. What's up next for you?
2: Yeah. So um, right now I'm recording an album with a worship collective that I'm a part of a Catholic worship collective um, made up of three worship leaders, including myself and we're recording an album with Matt Marr, our first full-length album uh, through Integrity. And it's going to be coming out in November. So that's that's what's next for me right now.
0: How can we uh, stay up to date with you and what's uh, what you're doing?
2: Yeah, so you can just... Go to my website, Sarah Kroger. That's Sarah with an H K R O G E R dot com. And that has the links to all my music, my socials, all the things. i spend most of my time on Instagram, sometimes on Facebook, and basically never on Twitter. <laughs> so
0: What I asked Rachel Lampa this the other day. What about TikTok? Are you there yet?
2: Oh no. No. <laughs> I, I cannot do TikTok. I don't know what it is. It makes me feel so old every time I go on there. I'm like, i here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that podcast at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there. We'll talk to you again on Connections.